All right, let me open us up in prayer with a quick word. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, to come to uh, this time of year, Lord, where we get to celebrate uh, the origins of life, Father. So that's why we come here together, Lord. We come to celebrate life, not just in its infantile state, but, Father, in coming in the grandest of forms, Lord, that the Savior had come to show us true life. So, Father, may we celebrate that today to its fullness. So, I originally had another opening illustration. You know, a lot of times when people preach uh, for Christmas, they usually have like kind of similar opening illustrations, and it's usually about like the, you know, Christ and Christmas, and I, and I, I wasn't planning on doing that, like the true meaning, well, I was going to talk about the true meaning of Christmas, of course, that's what I said last time, but I wasn't going to go with some generic illustrations, but I couldn't help it. This morning, I was preparing the sermon, or the sermon was preparing me, and it was, it was a very holy time. I was listening to these Gregorian chants. You know what Gregorian chants are? It's like those monks singing. And I'm there, and it's totally quiet. The sun hasn't even come up. Beautiful moment. I'm deep in the word. And then all of a sudden, my, uh, my like Pandora goes into commercials. And it's a payway commercial. Right? So I'm having this holy, holy moment. And all of a sudden, I hear a payway commercial. And the payway commercial is basically like, you know, are you, like, are you celebrating Christmas? You know, celebrate with the true meaning of Christmas. Give a payway gift card, right? And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I had a whole other illustration. But I was like, "All right, all right, I see. You want you want me to bring that in?" And then when we were driving over here, we're, we're trying to find the Christian, uh, the Christian radio station. And then we finally find it, and they have like some Christian artist who's giving his testimony, and he's talking about how like he was down and low, walking the streets, and um, and you know he was kind of depressed, and he was all by himself. And then it starts like snowing, and then it was it was real nice and silent because the snow kind of muffled all the sound. And then he's like saying in the in the interview, he's like, "That was the meaning of Christmas." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, come on, right? No, I mean it's about it's something it's something a little more bigger, right?" And we've been kind of getting at that with these sermons. I'm trying to just take your minds and just blow them up, and then blow them up even further, so you can begin to understand that you will never understand grace and the gospel and how big and beautiful this whole picture is. So as a sinner that I am, I'm going to attempt to do that by again bringing you in the word. And we're going to look, we're going to actually continue where we left off last time in a sense. Now you guys may have remembered that I, that I kind of preached in reverse. Remember that? I kind of worked from the end of the passage to the, to the beginning. And today uh, I'm going to kind of do the opposite. All right. Well, duh, right? But I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to actually work from the beginning to the beginning. Okay, that's going to sound a little weird, but you're going to see exactly what we're going at. And our text passage for the day is, uh, can you click escape and then present on it? And then click the present button again. So our chair passage is going to be John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And the central truth of the sermon Today, we will learn that the birth of Christ is the most amazing event in all of history. You know, I like to give you guys what I call the, um, the CTS and the CTT. This is basically my summary. It was originally that I wanted to teach you guys today that the birth of Christ was awesome, right? Because I, I love that word, awesome, because it leaves us in awe. And we're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and I'll read it for you guys. It starts, in the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John wrote John 1 through 5 in order to summarize the incarnate word as the sum origin, purpose, and salvation of all creation. So as I told you guys, we're going to start at the very beginning. So if I asked you guys that we're going to start at the very beginning of the word, where would you guys turn to? Genesis, right? Okay, that's kind of a trick question, but we'll get there. So turn to Genesis, turn to the very beginning of the word. The very beginning, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This is like the easiest you know, book to find in the Bible, right? It's not like when I do these, those epistles and it's like, ah. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And the sermon is called The Darkness, the Light, and the Life. Because I think this is going to kind of be like an illustration that's going to help us get to the meaning of Christmas. The darkness, the light, and the life. So we're going to look at the darkness, the light, and the life in Genesis. So first, the darkness. Where do we find the darkness in Genesis chapter 1? Look with me at verses 1 through 2. It reads as follows. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Kind of sounds a little familiar with our passage, right, John? We're going to get to that. But what we see here is God creates, and God creates out of nothing. I mean, he creates. Just by the mere power of his word, he brings about all of creation. And he brings here, then, we see like that creation is shrouded in this darkness, and he's going to proceed in the days of creation to go about you know, these, these different... Uh, he, he basically goes like three days and three days. The first three days, he creates like the dwelling places, and in the last three days, he creates the things that dwell in there. So you know, he creates stars, he creates land, and he creates the, 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 the animals. So after we have here this darkness, so we're starting here in Scripture, we have this darkness, and then God proceeds in verses 3 to 5 to say what? What does he say? And, and so, so he says, let there be light. It's not like the text goes and describes that, you know, he like throws this together and that and then he produces light. I mean, he just says it. He says it by his word. He says, let there be light and what happens? I could yell at these candles as much as I wanted and I guarantee you I'm never going to cause one to go up into flame, right? But he goes here and he says, let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. Evening came, and then morning the first day. Now I'm going to skip a little bit. I'm going to go to verse 11, and we're going to talk about the life in Genesis. So we looked a little bit at this picture of the darkness. Then we looked at the light, and now we're going to see that now he begins to introduce life. Verse 11, Then God said, Let the earth produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the third day. Why in the world am I talking about vegetables on Christmas? Not a traditional place to start on a Christmas sermon with Genesis and fruits and lights, Right? But we're going to see that this is exact. I mean, this image here is what John's going to be appealing to: darkness, light, and life. And life here. This is the introduction of life that we have with these seed-bearing plants. 
Now, the fifth day, he goes and he creates animals. The sixth day, he goes and he creates people. And what does he do on the seventh day? He rests, right? So like, that's like always a trick question that I give the youth, like how many days of creation were there? And most people say like seven. Well, he created for six days, and the seventh is a day of creation. Uh, but it's a little tricky, but we're going to see that. In other words, you're probably thinking, okay, Larry, what does this have to do with the Christmas sermon? Genesis, what are we doing in Genesis? You're always talking about Genesis. Why are you always go, going back to Genesis? Okay, fine. We'll go to a more traditional passage. We're going to go to Luke, another one of my favorite books. And we're going to look at Luke, and we're going to look again at this same picture, and this is Luke chapter 2. So keep in mind that those same three images, we're going to look at them in Luke. So Luke chapter 2, the darkness in Luke chapter 2. This is verses 7 through 8. It reads as follows. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trove because there was no room for them at the lodging place. Like, that's it, right? That, that's like the one sentence in Luke. I mean, we have this amazing event, right? Jesus is born. I mean, like, anytime it's depicted in pictures or in movies, it's like grand, right? You got, like, the stars shining and all this stuff happening. But for Mary, I mean, Luke gives one sentence to describe that process. One sentence, Right? Yeah, she went, there was no room in the inn, so she had the baby and she put it in the manger. Then in verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. I love, I think the, that there's so much irony in the Bible, like whenever I'm preparing my sermons, I'm always giggling to myself. It probably makes me look crazy, but I always love finding these sections of irony, and it is kind of ironic that, what, I mean, who's the next character that's addressed here? Shepherds. I mean, isn't that an image I've kept on trying to bring to bear to you guys? Well, we have this image here. We have these shepherds, and the shepherds are out tending to their flocks. And what time of day is it? So we got nighttime. Okay, so now we're going to move from the night to the light. And where do we find the light? We find it in verses 9 to 15. Verse 9 reads as follows. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who is the Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts, with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. Then the angels had left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So here Luke is going to focus on, I mean, you notice that some of the gospel authors, they each talk about something different. So like we don't have the, the magi, the wise men here. But... Luke is going to focus down on these, on these shepherds. And what happened? Where was the light in this passage? Right? Where did the light occur? The light occurred where? Look at verse 9. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I mean, we have a brilliant light. So you guys remember our angels over here? These angels that we had? What was, what was your response to the angels? 
Oh my goodness, how cute, right? Click, 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 click. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty cute, especially when I saw the one over here and she was like playing the keyboard. I was slain. But on the topic of slain, how do people usually react in the Bible when they see an angel? Yeah, beyond fear. I mean, it's like, what do what these, what these, shep these shepherds do? They fell on their knees, right? And, I mean, they were like terrified. They didn't have these. They saw these angels, and they were absolutely terrified. And one of the images that came with this angel was what? It was this brilliant light. I mean, it just, these angels were shining. That's one of the pictures we get. I imagine a light so bright and so brilliant that you can't even stare at it, that you have to fall down and hide from it. So that's what these, these shepherds see. And then they come, and, and what, is, what, is the prop, what is the prophecy that, they give, that, that the angels give them? But they're going to find what? They're going to find a baby. And where are they going to find a baby? In a manger. That's what a feeding trough is. Right? So we have a second mention of feeding trough. That's pretty interesting. And then, they, and then a multitude appears. I mean, we're talking about like 1,000 plus. And then they all burst out into this song about peace on earth. That, that this Savior is going to produce peace. So we had the darkness in the passage. We had the light. And then now, look at verse 16. We have the life. So in verse 16 to 20, it reads as follows. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. So Lottie has, you know, Lottie's my 15 or 16 month, I don't know why. It's easier to say like a year and a half, right? But she, she's, she's my little daughter, and one of her favorite things to do now is, is she likes to sneak off to the dog's dish and try to eat their dog food, which is so gross. And, I, and, and so whenever I see her, like, trying to be sneaky and sneaking over to grab, to grab a bite, what do I do? I start yelling, no, stop it. Like, don't touch that. That thing is dirty. The dog's dish. They have one of those dishes that kind of you put the thing in and the food just keeps coming out. And, I mean, yeah, it's dirty because my dogs are licking it. But it's relatively pretty clean compared to, like, everywhere else in the world. I mean, it's water from the, water that's been filtered and then it's this processed food that probably has so many chemicals to keep it. But if my daughter goes anywhere near that thing, I get so upset because I don't want her to get sick. And the reason I bring that image because I want you guys to begin to understand the scale of this. The scale of exactly what's happening. You have Mary. What's Mary being accused of? Hmm? Adultery. What, what, was, the, what was the price of committing adultery uh, back then? Yeah, so you think like they're looking on this woman favorably? She hasn't even been married yet. All right? And she is pregnant with a child. And then in addition to that, the inn, the lodging, it's like the official place for sleeping. They didn't even have any room. Think, think about that. An inn here didn't have enough room for the one who's prophesied, and they turn them away, and where does she end up delivering the baby? She's like, delivers it basically like, kind of like a barn thing, right? Okay, we're not talking about North Carolina barn. You know, where you see in, uh, in those romantic movies, what's that guy's name? He shoots all his films in North Carolina. Yeah, Sparks. It ain't one of those barns that it's like all romantic and you have like the hay and the sun shining off of it. No, we're talking about 
a, 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 a shed barn thing where you shove the animals in antiquities. Right. Over here in this, in this Arabian, Arabian area, right? I mean, that thing is filthy. I mean, back then people didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have draining like we did and, you know, working toilets and stuff like that. I mean, so, so you have to picture how filthy and disgusting this thing is. And, and it's not like they had the luxury of buying barrels of, of hay or whatever and, you know, replenishing their supply. No, they had to, they had to make everything work. So, so picture in your mind what this place looks like. She's giving labor. How many of you have given labor? Oh, my goodness. No men's hands are up, right? Amazing. <laughs> so, so could you imagine? Could you imagine? Picture yourself. You're all, and and I, I remember my experience vividly when I was driving on the way to the hospital and my wife's in labor and it's at night. Okay, could you imagine if I said, baby, 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 stop, look, there's, there's no room in the birthing center, but I found this shed where they keep animals, right? Yeah, there's manure and it stinks and everything like that, but I was thinking, just an idea, it'd probably save us money, because we don't have to pay for the end, that you would have the baby on some of the used straw, and then, and then, where, do they put, and then where do they put the baby? Yeah, feeding trough. I, was, I don't even know if it's feeding trough or feeding trove. The point is, is that it's like, you ever see like pigs when they're eating their slop? I mean, they got like that little, that, that's what it is. And they, they put some, they put some uh, hay in there or whatever, and then there's baby Jesus. Right? So the reason I bring this image up is because this, okay. All right, focus. All right, Th- this is going to be so big when we get to this passage in John that we're going to conclude with. You have Jesus. And let's just say, I mean, he was just the, the Jewish Messiah. Who, is the, who did the Jews think the Messiah would be? He was going to be the king like David. He was going to be a king greater than David and Solomon. And Solomon was pretty great because, you know, he had more wealth than anybody. So here you have the king, the Messiah, the savior of the world. And he's given birth to, in what appears to be an adulterous affair, appears, right? in this shed, and then he's laid in where dogs feed. I mean, that's such a powerful image. I don't even let my daughter touch the dog dish. I can't even imagine having my wife give birth to her in that location. And baby Jesus is infinitely more valuable than she could ever be. So you have this image where there is the baby Jesus, and he's snugged in cloth. He's not in a snuggie. He's snugged in these cloths, wrapped tightly, and he's placed in there, right? And then what's the response of the shepherds? I mean, I think that's why that feeding trough is mentioned three times. is because Luke really wants you to get it. He has that one sentence at the beginning that explains the whole thing, gets straight to the point, bare bones, this is it, one sentence of the birth, bam. And then he repeats this thing more than he does, you know, like other references. I mean, you got, you got th- that thing mentioned as many times as you do the baby. Almost as if to give you the idea that he's being born into something. I mean, that, that depravity there, that level there. So I had told you guys originally that I was going to start with the beginning, right? Remember I asked you guys to turn to the beginning of the word, right? At the very beginning of this sermon, I said, we're going we're to start with the beginning. Oh, well, that's what I had intended, but we really didn't start at the beginning. And you're probably saying, Leonard, what do you mean you, we didn't start at the beginning? We started in Genesis. It was like the first page of the Bible. Well, it's the first page, the beginning of the text, but it's not the beginning. It's the beginning. And, and that's why we're going to just focus on John now and look at John because John is the beginning. 
John chapter 1. So now you can turn and we can stay in here. John chapter 1. And this is the real beginning. And the reason that we brought up Genesis and those three images and the reason we brought up um, Luke and those three images is to give us the context. What I want you to see with Genesis is just how big this God is that he can create by the mere power of his word. And then what I want you to get from Luke is that image of the baby Jesus in the manger of filth and squalor and, and, you know, where he was born. So you can kind of see here the scale. Because now when we get to John 1 and you combine these things together with what John is trying to say, then you're really going to start to understand what Christmas is about. So here in John chapter 1, we find the darkness in the first five verses. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 reads as follows. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. So what do we learn here? What's one of the first things we learn here in John, right? Well, first of all, that, that word looks really familiar. Beginning. And John's intentionally using images from Genesis. He wants you to be thinking of Genesis so that you can understand that he's talking about Genesis. Because again, how does God create? How does God create in Genesis? By the word. He says things like, let there be, let there be, let there be. You know, Let's make man, and boom, 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 boom. But the Bible says that all of creation was created through Jesus. The Word. So when we say the beginning, you know, we're not talking about some you know, king here who this is the beginning of his life, he's being born, you know, and this is his beginning. No, the, the Bible, what John wants you to understand here is that he is going to connect the, the, the God who creates in Genesis 1 with, with, uh, with who this baby in the manger is. Right? The creator. I mean, everything is created through him. There's not like a time, like, like some people, like you know, Jehovah Witnesses believe that uh, baby Jesus is, is, is kind of like a mini-god, kind of like a Hercules, and that he has a, a point of origin of, of, uh, of begotting, right? They understand him to be a creator. No, no, no. What, what John's saying here is that this here is the creator. Right? This is what is being created to. And he ends this section by talking about darkness. Why? I mean, what is this darkness that the Bible's talking about? It's a theme that you find all throughout. And what's this darkness? I mean, it's not, the a- I mean, it's not just the simple absence of light. I mean, the darkness is this. I mean, the darkness is the depraved humanity. Right? Even the image there of them getting turned away from the inn is, is an image, I think, that's being drawn from, from the Old Testament of the fact that, you know, they turned away from God. Right? I mean, that's the repeated theme all throughout the Old Testament with the Israelites is they kept turning away from God. So you have a humanity that has turned away from its creator. I mean, that, that's all of us. That includes everyone here. Humanity has turned away from the creator that created them. God creates through the Son. And we turned away from him. And now here comes this light to turn off this darkness. To bring it away. So we have this image here of, of darkness. And now John's going to continue to talk about the light. And again, how did Genesis start? Genesis starts talking about, about the light. And the lights, you know, we love the light. I was watching the Croods, you know, it's a caveman movie, animation, right? 
and, and one of the main characters, who, by the way, I think looks exactly like Noel. Exactly. H have you seen the movie? Who's seen the movie? Bro, he looks like Noel. He does. Right? So I'm watching this movie, and he hates, he hates the, the darkness, and he likes the light. And most of us, if I were to ask you guys, like most of us, like, hey, which do you prefer, the darkness or the light? Most of us would say, um, would say, say the light. I mean, how many people, well, don't even raise your hands, because I don't want anyone to think less of you, so I'll be the target. You know how many times I did that thing where, like, you're about to go up the stairs and you got to take off the light? And then, like, you take off the light and you run really quick? I mean, no one's ever done that? No? I mean, so, like, I kind of just go up the thing, just in case, right? Just in case. I mean, because men, we just don't like the darkness. But in reality, what the Bible's telling us is, oh, no, no, no. This is the complete opposite. We love the darkness. What did Adam and Eve try to do after they sinned? They hid, right? They hid because they can't stand, you know, the light. We want to be in our darkness. It comforts us, right? We want to confuse ourselves with, you know, gift cards and giving. I mean, we want to be kind of hidden from the brilliance of God's light. We want to be in the shade because it's so hot and so bright that we need shades. So when it's talking about darkness, it's, talk, it's talking about us. And here comes the light to pass off this darkness. And here now we see in verses 6 to 13 of John chapter 1, a treatment of this light. It reads as follows. There was a man named John who was sent from God, and he came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. So the light here is not something that's simply friendly. I, I like to envision here the light is like the law. The law exposes our sinfulness, and it shows us exactly who we are. Calvin and Luther like to compare it to like a mirror, that it helps us see ourselves. So you have, you have John coming around, and John is prophesying you know, about the light. And here in verse 9, we see that, the, that he's not just the light, but he's the true light who gives light to everyone. He was coming into the world, and he was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. So here you have here this turning away. I mean, humanity has turned away. We saw it with the Israelites. And now we, he, we see here a very literal example here of the image of, that's summarizing the Old Testament, where the, the Savior of the world at his birth, at his most infantile and delicate state, is turned away to be born in a manger. So you guys remember when over there in England, like the royal baby was born? Like, you know their economy had a boom because it was such a big deal. We're talking about tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars in industry because of uh, the prince or princess. I don't even remember what gender the baby was. But it was such a big deal, and everybody was watching it, and every entertainment magazine right, was focused on it. And then over here you have the savior of the world, the son of God, who all of the world, I mean, all of creation is created through, and he's over here in a manger. Almost as to reflect not just how that end treated him, but how all of us has treated our creator. But even then, what it says here at the second half is the gospel. It says that he has come so that those who believe in his name, and the Greek in there has a, a feel of like, like a personal relationship. Those who can have a personal relationship with him, to be wedded to him, can be what? Look at verse 13. 
Those who believe in his name can be born again. You can be born. You know, so we have the, the picture here of the birth of Christ, and then we have here the connection with true birth. And here's our final, our final section, the life. So we talked about the darkness, the light in John, and now we get to talk about the life in John verses 14 to 18, and it reads as follows. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We have pictures here from the Old Testament. God's presence in the Old Testament was what? What, what displayed God's presence in the Old Testament? Any remember? The, you know, the tabernacle. They would, in the, I mean, in various periods, they would pitch up this tent, and they would have the ta tabernacle to give you a picture here. But, but we have, like, this image of pitching a tent. So, so, you know, the Israelites were pitching this tent up for God to dwell, but now what we have here is the temple, the real temple, Jesus, is coming to pitch himself up with us. And he comes and he takes residence among us. And then it continues, We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me has surpassed me, because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only God, the one who is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. So how does, how does John start this chapter? How does he start the chapter? In the beginning, just like Genesis starts. And in the beginning what? The Word was with God. The Word was God. So he's making a pretty important statement here. He's opening his gospel by saying that the one who is the word, I mean, who, who is he? What's his identity? He is God. He says it at the beginning, and how does he end this passage? He ends this passage by saying, in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The one and only God. Some of your versions may say son. <laughs> There's a reason, right? The one who is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. So you have God in the beginning and God in the end. So what we see here, and this, kind of, this, this relates pretty powerfully to the idea here of Christmas. I mean, bringing my payway example, a lot of people think that Christmas is about giving things and, and being grateful. You know, we give. But it kind of has like this material aftertaste, right? The giving. But, I mean, the, the beginning doesn't begin with creation, like we would think. You know, giving things, things that created things. Christmas is about giving things. No, it doesn't, it doesn't begin... With creation, it begins with the Son of God. I mean, G G the reason why the birth of Jesus is the most amazing event in all of history, the most amazing event in all of history, is because the eternal Son of God comes down and he puts on that flesh, the, the same flesh that we carry that wants to hide from God, he puts that on himself. He, he wears, you know, he, he wears your skin to use them. Um, a more literal translation of, of, of the theological term. He wears our skin. He wears our flesh for us so he can take that punishment. And this here is this miracle. Just like we had the miracle of Scripture, which is you know, written by God and man. Here we have Jesus, who's fully God and fully man. I mean, the God of the heavens, we should be going to him, but the God of the heaven descends down to us. And not only does he go into this manger of filth, right, and manure. But then he goes ultimately to the cross. So I had mentioned that seventh day. 
the seventh day of rest. So we had our depiction here. We had the darkness, and then from the darkness we had the what? We had the light in creation in Genesis, and then after that we had what? Life. And in Genesis, you know, he creates seeds, he creates animals, he creates people, and it's very good. And then, start of the second chapter, it's about rest. And the whole Bible is about rest. This is why Jesus is the king of the Sabbath. Because he is the Sabbath. He is the rest. He is the seventh day of continual rest. He is the source where we go to to find rest. As Luke says in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. The Prince of Peace descending here on unto earth. And John chapter 6, verse 12 to 13 puts it like this. I'm sorry, uh, John chapter 1. He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So if I were to summarize you know, the meaning of, um, of Christmas here for us, given these, these images here and creation stuff, it, it's not about like the giving or about the gifts, but it's about the given and then the giver. I mean, when you begin to understand what has been given and who he is, the Son of God, then it completely reorients all of your gratitude and your gratefulness for what we celebrate here on Christ. So if you can bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, that you have not allowed us to hide in our darkness. For even when Adam and Eve had turned away from you and had tried to clothe themselves from you, you provided them with outfits, Lord, that were superior to what they built with their own hands, but even more superior, you had a plan since all of eternity to bring us out of, out of hiding, Lord. And, and it didn't involve our works or our merits, but it involved you, Lord, the Son of God coming down onto earth and taking on the form of a babe to experience all humiliation, just the thought, Lord, that the God of heaven would come and dwell with us and take on our flesh is beyond us. But then to think, Lord, of what this babe, what this frail babe in its, in its state of innocence would go and endure for our sake, Lord, the life that, that he would grant us, Father, may we be reminded that what we celebrate on Christmas, Father, is the introduction of life. Not, not just the simple birth of a baby, which is beautiful in and of itself, but Lord, that you, as John had said, you give us the opportunity, those of us who were born of flesh, you give us the opportunity to be born again, to be born of the Spirit. Regardless of our addiction to darkness, you, the bringer of light and the bringer of life, come here onto earth to die for our sins. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for this, Father. May we be reminded and may we turn, Lord, from our darkness and towards the light. In your name we pray. Give thanks for the life. Amen. All right. Uh, we have a special music from the GGCF youth. And uh, if any of you are participating in the drama, you may want to go in the back so you can get ready while the youth come up here for uh, some music.
Well, hear ye, hear ye, and hear ye. Well, Caesar Augustus has declared that there's going to be a census and everyone will be counted. Let me make sure you understand this. He says you've got to go back to your very own hometown. This is for everyone. May I repeat it again? This is for Fun, sir. We have traveled so far. If you could, we, we need some rest. Do you have any room to spare? I'm sorry. I don't have any room for you. We are full tonight. Maybe you can try the next inn. Do you have any room at all? Any? No. Did you hear that? We have no room.
God must be with us. This looks much better than sleeping outside. Joseph, I don't feel well. I'm very tired and I'm starting to have a, a lot of pain. I think the baby's about to be born. Here, let me make a bed for you. Lie down right here. It won't be long now. Well, meanwhile, there were some shepherds that pretended the flocks, take care of the flocks by night. When behold, there was a host of angels that appeared right before them. Behold, we bring. <laughs> you don't be scared. <laughs> don't hide behind that chair. <laughs> There's no chair there. <laughs> behold. We bring good, good news of a great joy. For today, in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in the manger. Glory to God highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Oh boys, what was that? I haven't seen like that before. Yeah, there was a. Were they angels? I don't know. But they said that we should go to Bethlehem and see what they're talking about. Okay. Um, praise God for the good news. But first, I gotta tell my friends that they can come with me. Hey, Mike! David! Hey, oh. RJ! Let's go to Bethlehem! Let's go to Bethlehem, you guys wanna come? And so the shepherds, after they heard the angels make the announcement, they went to Bethlehem. And they heard. And while on the way, they knew that they were on a mission to find the baby child. Well, at the same time, there were these three many wise men. They were there seeking for the Christ child. Heaven, in this 
Yes, we should bring gifts. Oh, I'm yeah, gonna... a gift. I'll bring a frankincense. I could bring gold. That's what I want. But I'm going to bring myrrh. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's worship him. Oh. Shall we go? So the Magi, they found the king, and they brought him their gifts. And when they arrived, they found the baby Jesus and worshipped him. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men. Indeed, we need to sing glory to God in the highest. Please join us in singing glory in Excelsis Deo. Everyone sing in excelsis Deo. Together we can sing that song because Christ came into this world. Let's all sing that song. Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
all need to sing this together. Remember, the birthday celebrant is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. All right. Brother Lenny, can you come now and close us in prayer? If you can close your eyes with me. We're gonna pray we're gonna pray with the words from um, from Oh Holy Night. Just you know, we sing these songs, but a lot of times when we sing them we're so used to them that we don't really focus on the words. But sometimes people just write it better than we can say it. So if you can close your eyes and pray with me. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the Spirit felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. O hear the angel voices. O night divine, the night when Christ was born. O holy night. O night divine, Lord, may we see how holy this night is indeed. Amen.
Just give us a chance to take a few pictures and I'm going to call him Brother Lambert. He's making an announcement, right? Just picture taking, just please give us a few moments. Uh, can somebody take our picture here? All right? Hello. All right. So uh, we're just going to make a couple of announcements. Thank you for the, the GGCF drama group. So first of all, we want to recognize guests who, who came to church today. So if you, have, if you brought a visitor, please introduce your guests. Max Merida, thank you. Thank you for coming to church. Do we have any other guests? Okay. Sunita and Respa. Did I get that right? Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Anyone else who came who brought a visitor? Yes. What's your name? Faith. Okay. And, and Jim? Tim. Faith and Tim. Thank you for coming. 
right, so there's only one announcement. Uh, I sent an email out to the church. So Casting Crowns is coming on March 8th. I'm a big fan. So far, I have 30 people signed up. So if there's anyone else who wants to watch the concert with us, it's about $23, $18.50 plus taxes. Uh, just let me know so I can buy the group tickets. Because with the group tickets, we get a discounted rate. So if anyone's interested, just, just let me know. And then uh, for our guests, you guys have first uh, in line at this point. It's for the food, so go ahead and, 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 and grab a plate and come over before anyone else. And, and let's, let's pray for the food. All right. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you again for your wonderful blessings. Thank you for the food that you have prepared for us. Uh, bless the hands of the people who prepared it for us. Thank you for their service. Uh, thank you for their hard work. And let it nourish our bodies and let, let the fellowship nourish our souls. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Let's Uh, in a short while, we'll be having our games. We'll sing some carols. So please enjoy the meal, all right? But then come back, and afterwards, we will sing some Christmas carols together. <laughs>